Hey, welcome to Book by Book. I'm Richard Buse and I'm thrilled to introduce this next in our series of studies. We are doing the Book of Revelation. And I'm joined here by Paul Blackham and by our colleague Stephen Nichols. And as we met here in Plymouth, England, we're by, right by the seaside here. And we're now going to come to the study number five as we come to the eighth chapter of the book of Revelation. Let me read first of all before we go any further. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel, who had a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer, with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of the saints, went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth, and there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Well, what has happened is that in our last study we were looking at the seven seals of the book of Revelation, in which we were going right through the whole of the patterns of history that we can expect between Christ's first coming and his second coming as affecting the church here on earth. Mm. Now we rewind the video, so to speak. We're covering the same ground again, but now from a different camera position altogether, from that of what we call Jesus and the trumpets. And there are trumpets of warning judgments upon a world that is unbelieving. So we now switch to the unbelieving world and the trumpets of Jesus. And first of all, we're finishing off the seventh seal. There it is, it's been left over because of the interlude mm. beforehand. Silence in heaven for about half an hour. And we take that to be the silence following the sixth seal, which is one of judgment upon the earth. Following the, the severity of the judgment, silence suddenly mm. descends upon heaven itself mm. as well. And then we come to the introduction to the seven trumpets. Mm. I suppose we could ask ourselves straight away about the seven trumpets that, um, I mean, we seem to be back at the fifth seal all over again in that, in that verses two to five, at the church's cry for justice. We've heard that before. So how are the trumpets a response to that? Does it remind us of some other part of the Bible? It is very similar to what we've just seen, the fifth seal in Revelation chapter six, yeah. where the martyrs were crying out under the altar. Yeah. And now here we're crying out for justice. Here we are in Revelation chapter eight. Again, there's the altar of incense. So we take that in the tabernacle or in the temple, the altar of incense uh, on which incense was burned evening and morning was the representing of the prayers of the saints that would go up before the Lord on the Ark of the Covenant. So again, it's the prayers of the saints that are going up with the incense here in chapter eight. And then verse five, the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it on the earth, and then we're into the trumpets. So it seems that the seven trumpets are a direct response uh, to the good. prayers of the church. Yes. The prayers go up, the response comes down. And, and it does remind us of lots of different parts of the Bible. Exodus, for example, we think of um, mm. the burning bush, Exodus chapter three, where Moses meets the pre-incarnate son, uh, Jesus, in the bush. And the Lord says to him, I have seen the misery of my people. I've heard their cry. I've heard their cry. I'm concerned for them, I've come down. Yeah. So the, throughout the ages, the church is crying, how long, what about injustice? I've heard their cry, I'm coming down. History is the history of God's acting for his church. 
And then as we come into these trumpets, immediately there's questions here. See, I ask myself, why is only one-third of creation harmed by these plagues from the trumpets? You see it there um, in uh, verse, uh, one of the earlier verses, a third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up. A third, uh, later on, a third of the sea turned into blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. Mm. A third of the ships were destroyed. The fourth angel sounded his trumpet. A third of the sun was struck. So a cosmic trumpet as well. So why is only a third affected? Yeah. Well, because these are warnings. They're not the final judgment where everything is destroyed and wiped out, but the warnings. And when these disasters come and war, wars and natural disasters and famines and all earthquakes or anything, we might think, oh, that's it. The whole world's being destroyed. But it's not like Jesus was saying lots of these things will happen, but that's not the end. And he's like really saying it's limited to a third that I know people might say, oh, you know, the whole human race is going to be wiped out by a nuclear war or an ecological disaster or a meteorite or something. In a way, we can say, no, that's not how it's going to end. The most that these natural disasters could ever do is wipe out a third. Exactly. I mean, actually, when the Black Death hit Europe all those centuries ago, it was Jean Frossard, the Swiss chronicler, who commented, a third of the world died. That wow. was his comment. And so that does seem to be a pattern that we can expect from time to time at cataclysmic moments in history. Actually, as we look on at verses 20 to 21 of chapter 9, I mean, what was the purpose of the plagues throughout history? And there must be reminders of things like, well, Pharaoh may be in the past in the book of Exodus. There are. There, there, there's the, uh, the plague of darkness here. There's the locusts. I'm thinking of chapter 8, verse 12 with the darkness and the locusts in chapter 9, mm. verses 1 and so on. Mm. So we think of Exodus. We think of the book of Joel, the prophet as well. But in Exodus, the plagues, the 10 plagues were warnings mm. sent to, to warn Pharaoh of judgment coming. And Pharaoh uh, gradually hardens his heart more and more as the plague comes. He hardens his heart until he cannot repent. He won't repent. Uh, these warnings, I suppose, remind us of... Um, the trumpets remind us in the Old Testament, they are trumpets of, uh, of warning judgment in uh, Jericho. As the ancient church uh, went into the promised land, ah, they yes. marched around Jericho. Yes. For six days, they blew the trumpet of warning. Judgment is coming. The seventh day, they went round, blew the trumpets. The walls fell. In they went and claimed yeah. their inheritance. So they're warnings throughout history. The trumpets are always heard throughout history. The question is, Will we pay attention we, to them? Exactly. Wow. That, that's very, very interesting. And so um, when, we, when we look at these and we look at the, well, there's a storm on land. Yes, verse 6 to 7. There's a storm at sea, storm of pollution affecting the rivers and the springs. There's even a kind of what you might call an occult storm. I mean, it's a, well, it's a storm coming out of the abyss, at least. Mm. It could be uh, false religions or false ways of thinking, false philosophies or maybe demonic forces affecting, not the, attacking not the vegetation, these locusts, they're actually attacking people, mm. which is quite different. And that comes out at the very end in verses 20 to 21 of chapter 9. It's the, they did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, uh, idols that cannot see or hear or what. They didn't repent. So these plays come, the warnings are sounding, the warnings are sounding, but by and large, the humanity is still caught up in these plagues of demonic plagues of the heart and mind yes yeah. and there's even a, a military storm as well when you get oh, to verses yeah. 13 
to 19. So uh, I think then what happens is as we come to chapter 10, we've not finished yet the trumpets, have we, mm. it seems. So it looks as though there's a kind of another of these little interludes of comfort and reassurance mm. that comes before we get to the seventh trumpet. So there we are, uh, chapter 10, verses 2 and uh, on to chapter 8, verse 10. What is this little scroll that we read about? The little scroll that's given by the angel to John. I know, it's amazing, isn't it? Because we've thought about that great scroll, the title deeds of the universe, the meaning of history in heaven. And someone's like, well, it's in heaven and they seem to know all about it. But and that's what chapter a, five. That's yes. chapter five. But what about us? I mean, can we know about it? And it, the Lord's like, that's right. The church is this is called to bear witness under suffering and persecution, but always to keep on enduring and bearing witness. So it's as if there's a pocket edition of the scroll of the universe, and it's a little pocket edition, and John's given it. Eat it, like reminding us the prophets like Jeremiah, where he's got to eat the word of God. It won't be his own message. It'll be God's message he's got to do. He's got, yeah. yeah. And it goes into him, and then it's into his heart and soul, and then he preaches it out. And that's what the message, the little scroll, a pocket edition of the meaning of the universe, which the church then preaches. I think that's wonderful. So there's the church and all these, the warning trumpets are sounding with the judgments. What's the church got to do while all this is happening? Keep declaring the word of God. And that's a bittersweet message, as we were saying. Oh, yeah, bittersweet. Exactly. Sweet in the mouth, sour in the stomach in verse 10. 10, I took the little scroll and ate it. What's that mean? Sweet as. Well, don't you think it's partly that there's nothing sweeter than being in the Lord's service, speaking for him, witnessing for him, praying in his name, doing his work. But it's also there can be opposition, do you think, difficulty, sometimes failures and disappointments. That's the hard bit. That's the bitter bit. It's sweet and bitter. Mm, wow. Absolutely. Mm. Something along those lines. Well, uh, let's keep going. I mean, we're doing this rather fast. <laughs> On the other hand, we have got study guides. And I hope that some of the people who are sharing with us in the study can look at the study guides that you've been writing up, Paul, for us and get hold of one of them because that'll help uh, some people to take it a bit further, especially in house groups or in student circles or whatever. Look at chapter 11. We're noticing, I think, possibly a sort of tie-up between verse 1 and in, back into Ezekiel, perhaps chapter 40. We're looking at these two witnesses. It's utterly fascinating uh, of verse 4, and uh, when Elijah and Moses seem to emerge. Now, what's going on here? Anyone like to speak to that? Shall I say a word about, uh, about Ezekiel? It does seem at the beginning of Revelation 11 that we're taken back to the last chapters of Ezekiel, where uh, the prophet is in exile with the people, away from Jerusalem, away from the temple, and yet he is told to measure, measure the a temple. temple. Measure the temple that God is really building, not that temple back in Jerusalem, but the, the, the real temple made up of men and women and children from every nation yes. in every age. But now John is, is told to do the same. Go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the worshippers. But, verse 2, exclude the outer court. Do not measure it because it's been given to the Gentiles. We think, well, what's so special about <laughs> Why not measure the outer court? Well, because in the temple, the outer court sort of represented the world the inner court yeah. was the church measure that yeah. the outer court there's a distinction that's the world they're not included so there's a separation so we're taken back to ezekiel wow. uh, for that reason yes and of course you get here the gentile world which they, we take to represent at this point the unbelieving world mm. who will trample it says 